Not Your Power Couple, Ken and Carol Cook, are not responsible for the views, actions, statements, or opinions of its guests or even our listeners. The information contained on this program or website is not medical or legal advice. An appearance on this platform is not necessarily an endorsement. We always encourage you to do your own research. Good afternoon, Collin County. This is Ken Cook, and I'm here with my wife, Carol. Hello, everyone. And this is another episode of Not Your Power Couple. We are here today with a special guest, Shelby Williams, who is running for re-election uh, for the Plano City Council, Place 5. Shelby, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks so much, Ken and Carol, for having me on. Uh, we're so glad you could come on today. Um, so, again, we just want to make sure people know that Shelby is running for re-election. And um, that being said... Um, just going to ask Shelby, just give a quick little introduction to about yourself to people. Um, you know, people probably do know your name by now, living in Plano, that you've already been in office. But on the chance that people don't know who you are, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, as you alluded to, Ken, I'm um, serving my first term on Plano City Council. I was elected in 2019. Uh, my wife and I moved to Plano 20 years ago this year to start a family. And uh, 20 years and three little girls later... Um, <laughs> I, uh, I I was blessed to be elected to Plano City Council four years ago, and um, I was likewise blessed to be able to uh, fulfill all of my campaign promises in just 15 months after I was elected. And I made some big ones, including uh, keeping property taxes flat for at least two years awesome. and uh, taking action on the, uh, the citizen petition to hold a referendum election on the Plano Tomorrow Comprehensive Plan in layman's terms, to um, act on the comprehensive plan mm -hmm. and um, uh, repeal it, really, or put it up for a vote, uh, an election for repeal. We took action on all of that. We adopted the effective tax rate. Then it was changed to be called the no new revenue rate, again, just right. keeping property taxes flat, mm -hmm. which we've now done all four years of my term. Great. And now I'm on to all new priorities. Awesome. So let's talk about DART for a second and public transportation. Um, you, you live in Plano. What is your vision for DART moving forward? Sure. So I've been pretty vocal about this lately. Um, in a nutshell, DART was created by state statute back in the early 80s. So uh, to become a member of DART, a DART member city, your people had to have an election, which Plano did back in 1986. Mm -hmm. The price tag to that was you fork over half your sales tax. Wow. So... <laughs> Back in uh, 1986, half our sales tax was pretty much Collin Creek Mall. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. yeah exactly. I remember that, yes. And um, so the people of Plano voted and said, yeah, we went into DART. And at the time, in the, then the mid to late 80s, it was a, probably a pretty good idea. Um, right. We, and it helped fuel a lot of our economic growth. However, vaulting ahead uh, almost 40 years, um, we are going in the half of sales tax for anybody who uh, isn't aware. The state of Texas levies six and a quarter cents sales tax. Cities have the option of an additional two cents. So half of our sales tax is one cent or mm -hmm. one out of the two cents that we can levy. Half of that goes straight to DART. This year, that will be 2023, that will be to the tune of $106 million. Wow. wow. $106 million of Plano taxpayer money going straight to the darted organization. Hmm. So 
I've been asking ever since I was elected, how much of that gets spent in Plano? Yeah, right. And to the benefit of the people of Plano. Can't tell us. No transparency wow. there then. No transparency. Wow. So I've been pursuing this for the better part of four years now. And um, uh, Representative Matt Shaheen filed a bill on our behalf in mm -hmm. the legislature right now um, to require that kind of transparency from DART. Um, and it's, I mean, it's only right that the people who are paying the taxes that go into the system, who are ostensibly supposed to be beneficiaries of the system, should understand where their tax money is going. That's yeah, just basic exactly. transparency. Yep. So that's what the bill requires, is a disaggregation of what they spend and where to, the, mm -hmm. to which member cities. Now, the city of Dallas has an actual majority, not just a plurality, but a majority on the DART board out of 13 member cities. Okay. So the city of Dallas, um, assuming its appointed board members are in lockstep, has the run of the show. But even Dallas isn't probably getting full value out of DART because for many reasons, DART is stuck in a 40-year-old model. Right. Um, <clears throat> and we see this just in, just in the way it operates. But as is the case with any uh, government or in this case quasi-government um, monopoly that isn't subject to competition because they just get a constant infusion of tax dollars, um, DART's operating in a 40-year-old operational model. You know, they've made changes around the edges at times, but uh, and they've recently, in the past few years, started shifting from a coverage model, which is let's provide bus service to almost everywhere, to a ridership model, which makes a little more sense, which is let's provide bus service where it's actually needed. Right. Mm -hmm. where people are actually trying to ride the buses. But that's still about 20 years too late. We live in a radically different area and economy and world than we did 40 years ago when the DART system was conceived. So um, what that means today is, you know, you see uh, light rail that isn't entirely safe because it's, um, it's not patrolled properly. And a lot of crime gets shipped uh, up to Plano on the right. red line. And mm -hmm. not just Plano, other ends of the line in other member cities. Um, and they just ride until the line terminates. And then we see a bunch of uh, empty buses riding around. Everybody sees them. Um, and mm -hmm. uh, there are a couple of fixed bus routes that are actually full. But for the most part, there are a lot of empty buses. You know, you might see three people on them. Two of them are selling drugs to each other, and they're about <laughs> to mug the third. Oh, man. <laughs> I've heard all kinds of stories about people like actually shooting up on the buses, uh, people evading law enforcement on the buses or the light rail. And mm. in, if operationally speaking, in 2023, the technology already exists to use uh, the same kind of technology used by Uber and Lyft to where I can use a smartphone and I can plug in my location and I can say, here's where I'm going. And then on the back end, again, the technology already exists to dynamically route smaller vehicles, whether that's a, uh, an SUV or a small bus or a van, whatever, to ride share and pick up a group of people along that route right. much faster than ride they the can bus, be served yeah, currently right. by a bus and take them and drop them off to where they're going. And for the people who, are, um, who just can't afford smartphones, we already have all of these bus stops and kiosks that we can outfit with the exact same technology mm -hmm. and better serve them than they're being served today. Right. Um, but that's kind of brilliant, actually. Right. Uh, yes and no. I mean, the technology is already there. We just 
I want to drag dart kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, good plan. But but when dart doesn't have to face competition, when and not just dart, when any organization doesn't have to face competition, there's no real incentive to adapt. Um, think Mobel. Right. Before mm-hmm. it was broken up, before um, uh, before deregulation. I, re- I grew up with, like many people um, my age or older, with uh, one phone in the house. Right. It was in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it was a big deal when we switched from rotary dial to, uh, to a touch tone. Yeah, <laughs> I <know>? remember. <laughs> that, was, that was like a quantum leap in technology. Right. And then after deregulation, we've vaulted ahead. Suddenly there were phones in multiple rooms. And then there were cordless phones, and now we got smartphones. Had it not been for the breakup of the artificial monopoly, we wouldn't even be there. Right. All right, well, piggybacking off of that question with the public safety and DART, um, what are your feelings about public safety for the city of Plano? How do you see that moving forward? Well, we've got uh, new challenges in 2023. You know, when I was elected, um, I ran on, like I said, adopting what was then called the effective tax rate. <clears throat> and we were told for many years, you know, through a lot of tax reform, property tax reform efforts in Austin, that if you reduced what was then called the rollback rate, basically just allowing local government to tax or requiring uh, local government to have a vote to tax more, um, then public safety would be gutted. So I was there at the Capitol testifying in 2019 while I was running for council in favor of property tax reform. So brief history on that. Um, What was then called the effective tax rate, which is a completely unintuitive name, um, simply means uh, keeping property taxes flat on properties and aggregate properties taxed in both years. Right. Um, the, um, The rollback rate, also unintuitive, Uh, was the extent to which local governments could raise property taxes in their jurisdiction in a given year without the people getting a vote on it. That limit was 8%. -hmm. The local governments could increase property taxes up to 8% in a given year without giving the people a vote on it. Now, that seems like a massive number. Right. But that number was set back in 1981 when inflation was about 8%. The idea was, all right, you can keep pace with inflation, cities, you know, school districts, et cetera. But anything more than inflation, then uh, you need to allow your people to vote on it. Well, soon the Reagan economy kicked in. Inflation came down. Rates came down. And they pretty much stayed that way. And it wasn't a big deal for a few decades because property values in Texas roughly kept pace with inflation. Until, really, it was speared by the fracking boom, but then property values started to really take off in the early 2010s. And the tax rates, which is just the multiplier against the total property value, Mm -hmm. they stayed the same. So if your property values are going up 5% a year, and they leave the tax rate alone, then your taxes are going up 5% a year. Yep. And then property values started exceeding 8% a year. But and that's when things really picked up in Austin for property tax reform. City taxes, um, Plano city taxes on existing property owners had gone up 40% in the five years before I was elected. Wow. And more than 60% across all properties. Um, and that's like new properties as well. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was huge. That's why there was a big clamor for property tax reform. But we were told that if 
there was reform, public safety would be gutted. So this is a very long-winded way of explaining my priorities for public safety. Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as I was elected, I said, um, I want the effective tax rate, keep property taxes flat, and I want to prioritize public safety. That is the number one responsibility of any level of government. Agreed. <laughs> to secure our rights. It's right there in the Declaration of Independence. Right. So um, basically to secure our rights from predation by others, including government. Yes. So um, we have prioritized public safety. All four years I've been in office, we have adopted the effective tax rate, now called the no new revenue rate, all four years I've been in office. Now that does come with trade-offs, but we cannot sacrifice public safety. Right. And <clears throat> we even uh, voted uh, a year or so ago to overfund the police. Mm -hmm. This was to provide additional staffing uh, for the lead time required to train new officers. Um, and recognizing some measure of attrition, retirements, et cetera, every year. Right. Uh, so the when defunding the police was all the fad, we overfunded the police. I'm very proud of that. That's great. And um, we have reached the point now, we also brought online a new fire training center. Now, the bond for that was approved before I was on council, but we approved the, um, uh, the construction of it, and it's great. Um, so about nine months after I was elected, bunch of stuff that wasn't in the brochure happened in 2020. Um, part of that was pandemic related. Part of it was civil unrest related. Right. Um, so I, uh, I actually um, created a seminar. There are three seminars that I do free to the public. One is Constitution 101 during Constitution Week in September. Mm -hmm. One is Property Tax 101, which comes out, in the which I do every spring after valuations come out. It's actually going to be on April 25th okay. um, <clears throat> coming up. Uh, Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Plano at 6.30 p.m. for anybody who wants to come, free to the public. Excellent. And I also do How Local Government Works in Texas. I start that presentation off showing a side-by-side -side comparison of Portland, Oregon, and Plano, Texas in June of 2020. <laughs> Nothing happened in either city to spark unrest. One city burned, one didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. The entire difference is local government. So when it comes to public safety... We've done a very good job for a long time. Uh, Plano is and has been one of America's safest cities for a very long time. However, Frisco has just edged us out at number oh. one. We're at number four. Part of this is, well, actually, Dart's part of it is crime gets shipped up, literally, right. on the red line uh, to disembark at the Parker Road Station or the downtown Plano Station. Mm -hmm. Um Part of it is because Plano is now a mature city. We're done growing. We're built out. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to continually revitalize, but um, we have new challenges based on that that also impact law enforcement. So in this new world, in this post-2020 world, um, it's also become a lot tougher to be a cop. Right. Recruitment is way down because it's no wonder not nearly as many people want to be cops as right. before. Absolutely. <laughs> Which brings its own challenge for a mature city. Uh, more cops who are eligible for retirement or will soon be eligible for retirement are like, I'm out of here. Right. You know, this ain't worth it anymore. Um, so it's incumbent upon us to make sure that our public safety, police and fire, are appropriately uh, compensated, equipped, and trained. And um, also that they feel our support. Right. And that, that yes. comes from the local elected leaders on down. Yes. Right. They have to feel that we've got their backs. Absolutely. Not just hear it, actually feel it in their bones. 
um, and that's that's a tone that's set through the entire community. So there are a lot of things that'll go into making sure we reclaim that number one spot as America's safest city. Um, but uh, but it starts with actually having their backs. Gotcha. Well, all right. Speaking of revitalization, um, what do you see as the important issue for the future of Plano? And I'm guessing it's going to be re revitalization. Absolutely. So uh, when I mentioned the repeal of, of the Plano Tomorrow Plan, um, the biggest issue, not the only, but the biggest issue with that plan was the the high density growth in the city. Mm -hmm. So we Plano is already the second densest city, population density in all of Texas, with a population of a quarter million or more. Um, we're more dense than Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin. Um, we're even denser than Dallas after you remove the waterways in Love Field. Um, wow. We are only outdone by Arlington and only by a hair. So that was, that was one of the big issues. However, we cannot just stay put. We can't right. just not do anything with the city because we are already have parts of the city falling into blight and disrepair. Holland Creek Mall was an excellent example of right. that. Back in its heyday, it was booming and then it died. I shop there all the time. That's right. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the particular challenges related to Plano is we built out in bursts in the 80s and 90s principally. We had some development in um, the 2000s and a little bit in the 2010s, but we pretty much finished most of our development before the digital age, gotcha. which radically changed everything commerciality yes. writ large. So <clears throat> we have been a, uh, uh, a destination for headquarters, national and regional. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the smaller companies that, uh, uh, that do business with those larger companies, um, they, they don't have, adequate space to grow we've got a lot of blighted four-corner retail in the city back when four-corner retail was hot mm -hmm. um so we have to and that was part of the thing the plano tomorrow plan envisioned just replacing a lot of the four corner with uh, a lot of multifamily and mixed use um uh, projects but and a lot of people myself included saw that as a problem but that doesn't mean we just leave them as they are right so as we look forward and we did like the year I was elected, before we had even repealed the Plano Tomorrow plan, we said we want a new comprehensive plan. We want to start the process of developing a new comprehensive plan that, as I always said, quote, the overwhelming majority of our people can get behind. We did that over two years mm -hmm. We, from the time we started the process. Um, we worked on it through the pandemic and passed it in November of 2021. Went through without a whimper. Uh, we convened a citizen committee for it, the Comprehensive Plan Review Committee, mm -hmm. the CPRC for short. CPRC, Planning and Zoning and Council, all passed it unanimously. Citizens were happy. Here we go. But for the blighted areas of the city and the areas that will be blighted within the next 10 years, mm -hmm. we have to think strategically about how they're going to be redeveloped. And politicians have a uh, habit of and when they craft policy or legislation, imagining that the world in 40 years is going to be exactly like it is today. Yeah, right. <laughs> it never will be. Um, not if we're doing our jobs properly, it never right. will be. But what we do have to do is create a community fabric and a, um, a commercial fabric that's resilient, can roll with the punches. And mm -hmm. as I've always said, um, we, we can't stand still. We have to continually revitalize to adapt 
so that we don't fall into um, uh, blight and create the future version of the Plano that we all love today. Yeah. We don't know exactly what shape that's going to take in 30, 40, 50 years, but we know the character of the city that we want to preserve. We know that we have uh, earned our moniker, the city of excellence, and we want to preserve that character, the city of excellence, in whatever shape the city takes in the future. That's great. Um, is there any other topics you want to throw out there for uh, voters to chew on for you? Well, uh, there are uh, there are a handful of other things I'm working on, um, and these aren't the uh, most glamorous of topics, but one of them <laughs> is creating a 30-year maintenance roadmap for the city. Uh, because we are built out, and we are built out in, 80, in the 80s and 90s, most of our infrastructure, roads, water lines, et cetera, most of it has an average lifespan of about 30 years. Well, guess what? Guess how long it's been? About 30 years. The warranty's <laughs> up, man. So we know all of the things that need repair or mm-hmm. replacement uh, from facilities, roads, alleys, water lines, sewer mains, uh, et cetera. And we issued an historic bond package, or at least we had an election on a historic bond package two years ago to mm-hmm. the tune of almost $400 million. Mm. Now, fully two-thirds of that was just road repair and replacement. Right. Not building anything new like we did in the 80s and 90s, just replacing and repairing what we already have. Well, all of that, all of those bonds fall under the INS, interest and sinking portion of our property taxes. INS is just debt, also mm-hmm. unintuitively named. <laughs> government officials have a habit of naming things so that people can't understand them. Yeah, right. But it's just our debt, our bond debt, mm-hmm. and the interest. We pay about $20 million every year just in interest on our bonds. Wow. So when we know everything that's going to need repairing over the next 30 years, and we know roughly the time frame in which it's going to need repair, chronicle all that, chart it out. Give a 30-year vision, 30-year roadmap to that so that we can balance out the spend year over year so that we're not issuing big bonds. Right. We know it's coming so we can recoup as much of that $20 million a year as possible and put it back into our roads, not into the banks. Gotcha. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on, Shelby. You really uh, informed us, you know, wish, kind of wishing I was living in Plano now with you running. So. <laughs> we still got some space. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so at this time, uh, you got your social media information that you'd like to share or any meet and greets or anything, anything coming up. I mean, I know you shared the, the class that you have coming up in April. Um, right. I know that you have, um, you know, your Facebook and all that stuff. So if you want to just uh, throw that stuff out there, you, we'd love to have it and share it. We're going to put all that in our show notes as well. That way people can, when they look at what the show's about and you everything, and they can see it all there. So Yes, thank you. So first, uh, my website is shelbyhwilliams.com, shelbyhwilliams.com. That H is important. I emphasize it because otherwise you're going to wind up at Shelby Williams Furniture Company in Tennessee. <laughs> so shelbyhwilliams.com. Okay. And you can find me on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, MeWe, a bunch of uh, social platforms. Okay. And there is actually a, a candidate forum coming up at, uh, at the aforementioned Lord of Life Lutheran Church on Tuesday, April 11th um, at 6 p.m. Okay. So I will be there and I will be sharing all my thoughts about these issues and more. All right. Thank you so much, Shelby, for being Thank on. You. And it was a pleasure to get to talk to you. Um, and uh, we look forward to you doing well in your re-election campaign. And thank you for being on Not Your Power Couple. Thank you so much, Ken and Carol. I appreciate it. 